everyone. Welcome to um, GFT's Your Immutable Future podcast, all about DLT and crypto. I'm David Creer, and uh, today I'm going to be joined by Juan Hidalgo and Ralph Sutter, and we're going to be speaking all about um, DLT for capital markets. So welcome to the show, guys. Hi, David. Thanks for the invite. Hi, David. Thank you for the invitation. So maybe we'll start with a question for, for Juan. Uh, in, in the DLT space, we see a lot of focus on post-trade settlement processing uh, rather than pre-trade allocation for, for securities. It, it seems to be a lot of people are just focusing on this area, I suppose maybe because of efficiencies. Why, why, why do you think that that is? Okay, uh, thanks, David. Uh, well, in the pre-trading environment, uh, the use of DLT uh, would bring transparency for counterparties, uh, given that the content of the ledger would be copied in their own internal systems. So in some way, the pre-trade processes could benefit from DLT platforms, obviously. Um, but I think currently the focus is on the post-trading environment because uh, that is where most inefficiencies can be removed. I mean, inefficiencies related to the reconciliation processes or long custody chains or, or any other manual processes. So this might be the, the main reason why many market participants are exploring to apply DLT to clearing and settlement activities. Let's say that the use of this technology in post-trade operations can accelerate the process and reduce settlement risk, especially in markets where there are tight settlement cycles for, for trades, such in China, for example. So for me, it's clear that an automation and, and reduction of process times uh, would result in a, in a great benefit. Um, for example, DLT can allow market participants to specify settlement workflows in advance, um, which uh, may help to solve problems arising from the operation in different time zones, for example. Um, so the DLT technology could reduce counterparty risk as the almost in instantaneous settlement would reduce the time that each party is exposed to counterparty uh, default risk. Um, but apart from that, um, with, with the use of DLT platforms, uh, the, trading, the trading phase and the clearing phase could become so related that it will not be clear whether uh, some kind of central organization such as uh, a central clearing counterparty or a, a central securities deposit depository will still be needed. I mean, if the issuer of the securities and the investor buying them can directly trade with each other via updates on the share ledger. Do they really need such uh, intermediaries? Well, probably not, but um, but setting up a process like this is, is really a big challenge. Thanks. Uh, it's also, you know, just interesting to see how many of these uh, intermediaries also getting involved in the blockchain space as well. And I suppose, I suppose that's to make sure that they keep themselves in these cycles um, and try and make the most of the technology as well. So you're seeing a lot of clearing houses going all in on DLT technology and it, it makes a lot of sense because then they keep themselves in the game, which is uh, which makes makes a lot of sense as well. So so Ralph, I suppose we've spoken about security, but outside of security, there's a, there's a lot of stuff um, going on. Which, which other areas do you see being revolutionized by uh, DLT? So, you know, in, for example, collateral management or commodities. And why do you think that those areas are, are being uh, picked out? Yeah. 
so let's also exclude the payment space too. So the whole post-trade securities payment space, if you like. So the area which accounts for around the quarter of all capital market DLT activities. Now, the other three quarters are really trade finance, trading, asset tracking, identity management actually, and, and shared record keeping, plus a few other interesting ones, uh, I think, you know. And, and if you remember, David, we, we either have worked uh, on those or we have ongoing work in each of these cases. So according to a research and advisory list and our own experience, really, trading has grown almost 20% last year. And I would argue it will continue to grow. And, and why is your next question? Well, it's revenue generating and for start, but also because um, you can start you can start fresh. You can start on the top blue sky. Uh, and I consider the agreement to be on top. But if you disregard the actual deal and contract, you have little to zero legacy until you really hit the old post-trade cost world. Also, as a data architect, I find that a trade which, let's say, has 50 attributes in the front office and depending on the product ends up with 100, 200 in the back office. So uh, a lot more complexity the further down you go. Um, for trade finance, I believe it's just a continuation of what we have created back in 2015, actually, Project Jupiter, and six years ago, David, that was, uh, I don't know if you remember, Juan. Uh, events changed, base notes, push notifications recorded on Ethereum or, or other ledgers. And having spent the last two years next to trade finance, uh, this space is really hot still and, and growing very fast along with trading. Uh, then asset tracking and, and maybe collateral falls in this too, although I see collateral as either cash or, or securities for now. Some similarities to trade finance and right now we have all this NFT hype, right? But of course capturing a financial product on a ledger seems much easier than capturing a lorry full of copper perhaps. So a few firms have taken this use case to the banks to address a product vertical as an example. And this makes perfect sense. Uh, lastly, I think we should mention identity management uh, still counts for about 10 percent. Uh, we worked on a few which actually have gone in production. Uh, and in my modest view, I mean, this hosts for the killer app together with mobiles, perhaps, or a wallet or both. I, I think there's something there, but perhaps more for the DeFi than the traditional markets. So in, in summary, trade finance, trading, asset tracking, identity management control, and then you can go into retail if you wanted. Uh, but I think these are the main sort of uh, side markets uh, away from post-trade and securities and payments. That's that's really interesting. Thanks for that. And yeah, it's, it's interesting you said about the NFR hype at the moment. It seems that, that everything uh, is, is being tokenized at the moment. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's just a funny point at, at, this, at this point of time. So my next question is something we speak a lot about because it has a big impact. Is, is all around uh, CBDCs and what the potential impact of CBDCs, either wholesale or retail CBDCs, um, is on the capital market space, if, if there is any. And I suppose, I don't know, maybe Juan, you could, you could answer that. Yeah. Well, I, th I think the potential impact of uh, central bank digital currencies in general is going gonna, is gonna to be very important. Okay. Um, uh, regarding CBDC for wholesale, wholesale payments, um, well, here the, the central banks, as you know, play a fundamental role in, in the wholesale payment systems uh, by acting as the bank of commercial banks. So, so they are taking deposits from them and providing credit to them. So, so a settlement is, is normally uh, achieved through a transfer of funds between uh, commercial banks' central bank accounts. Okay, So they use their reserves 
uh, in, central, in central bank money. This provides certainty of settlement. So in this sense, uh, we could say that the central bank acts as an intermediary that reduces the, the settlement risk. So the existence of a CBDC could mean that in certain cases in which there is no settlement risk, the intervention of the central bank as an intermediary would not be necessary. Um, obviously, that would streamline operations while, while maintaining the security and, and transparency of, of them. Apart from that, um, CBDC can also facilitate the merging of financial instruments, transfers, and payments. So as we commented before, assuming financial instruments can be digitalized, uh, that is you know, available in a tokenized format, it would allow an end-to-end -end settlement for such tokens, uh, resulting on uh, an instant and atomic delivery versus payment uh, transaction. Regarding the, the retail payments or, or the use of CBDC for retail payments, uh, obviously, um, it would eliminate the problems of current digital currencies, such as Bitcoin, by combining the safety of central bank money, um, you know, stability, trust, etc., with the convenience of a digital means of payment that can satisfy consumer needs. Um, however, um, I, I don't think this kind of retail payments uh, will be much relevant to, to capital markets, although obviously will be also important for, for consumers. Okay, thanks for that. So it's, it's, it's really about efficiency and settlement. That's really where we're going to see the, the biggest change, I suppose, in, in capital markets. Ralph, what do you think the, the challenges are um, then for, for capital markets institutions um, that are starting out in, in, in DLT at the moment? And how do you think they can, um, they can be overcome in, in your experience? So, so we know DLT is designed to support networks, right? And, and in order to become established and grow, uh, you need like-minded participants. We, we've heard that many times. And once a network is established, network's effect will drive growth. Uh, but getting to this point is, is the challenge. Not many can and, and do still say there is no killer app or use case else. We would have seen the DLT Airbnb or the Facebook or, or the Uber in banking, right? But, but it's not just another app or a new platform, which would be simple. It's DFMI, so decentralized financial market infrastructure. And, and that has to change too. Plus, large scale changes are hard to execute in this climate. We know that. So sponsors are looking for very tangible benefits. Also, a lot of the current business is in the hand of the vendors and uh, they don't just throw the towel in because DLT turned up. Uh, they have made fantastic progress, like you mentioned, right? DLT um, in the DLT space, Swift real time is a long way ahead of when I used to instruct every custodian and agent in the world back in the 90s. It was cumbersome and you had to wait, uh, you know, 24 hours until you got some feedback on your Swift uh, terminal or in your Euroclear or whatever the custodian was. Now, there are some obstacles still, as we know, and, and let's for a minute assume that some of them will have gone away, like who builds it, IP issues around uh, the ledger, who maintains it, who makes the changes and who deploys it. But we also know that DLT is not just a technology change, so participants change the operating model. So are you creating a homegrown network is the question, or you a consortium with the aim to become a vendor again, uh, potentially, are you going back to your current vendor because you trust him, you have your current business uh, there, or you simply prefer a vendor for all the good and, and the bad reasons? Um, and I had a look at some investments made actually, and without looking too far, I found 300 million plus, and it, it just looks 
and the thing, if we just look at the thing we've done in this space, it's there's so many positives there. You know, last six, seven years, so much was learned. Uh, all your interoperability the market has achieved. Think about the move from POC to production, all the modernized exchanges in Israel, Switzerland, Singapore, Australia. It's quite a few now. The shift from business to death, I find quite important. Who will drive drive this, no doubt, going forward. The new functionality with parties, all the CDM work in the two, is it three? I believe it's, it's four actually, loans coming too, so nearly four asset classes. The regulatory data agenda from the Bank of England for data get, gathering, the non-functional requirements, uh, all your pressure testing and the battle testing you've done uh, on, on, on many uh, chains so far, the custody side we've published and uh, if people want to find out more, the notes we've created, the interfaces, all the, you know, the Swift gateways, the FPML stuff. So, so much uh, has, has happened in the last couple of years. And that, that gets us where we are now, I think, working with smart contracts, just like the previous generation, potentially work with terminals and web apps or SharePoint. So there's no lack of appetite in my view. And a colleague of mine has recently also in a capital market podcast uh, mentioned the regulatory pressure versus discretionary work. And I actually think there's a third one, which which is disruption, and it's not just a buzzword. Think about all these new trading and market platforms appearing left, right, and centre. The new instant generation, right? They have a huge deaf community again, who has warmed up to finance. Uh, this generation has not grown up with a wonderful world of banking image I had certainly in the 80s and 90s, and probably still have in a way because they're making billions and paying tax. But those ladies and gentlemen who cannot wait a minute or even in a, or an hour, you know, they don't want to reconcile. They, they, they'd rather have a wallet uh, than a bank account. So for me, uh, for, for us, I guess, having referenced or mentioned a few points to overcome these challenges, DLT remains unstoppable. I think we, we all agree, right? That's why we're doing, that's why we're doing this show, right? <laughs> um, so thank you for that, Ralph. So the last question I've got, and this is, uh, I suppose, for everybody, maybe, uh, quick response on, on this one in and I'll, and I'll give my response afterwards because I, I do have an opinion on it. in capital markets do advances in technology really define the requirements for business change or does business change tend to define the direction in which technologies are heading i don't know if anybody wants to jump in there well in, in my opinion um both things are, are happening okay um today innovation in capital markets is, is crucial for for investment banks i mean to sustain their business in the long term they need to modernize um, they have to improve existing operating models uh, businesses business models and, and ways of working so Therefore, there is, a, there is a clear need for business change and technology is one of the most powerful levers that banks have to address current industry challenges. So we could say that in that front, there are countless ideas for innovation being brought to the market. Uh, the challenge faced by those investment banks is therefore validating which one is viable and fits their needs. So in, in this sense, massive support for certain technologies can favor the expansion and consolidation of those technologies. But in the other hand, um, I think the advances in technology are also defining a change in the business um, because uh, technology is ahead business in many aspects and, and certain uh, technology technological advances make possible to face new opportunities that were unaffordable before. In my opinion, several technologies, uh, I mean, there are several technologies with the potential to, to drive transformation. 
um, for example, um, data and analytics or cloud computing or artificial intelligence or the one that we are covering today, distributed ledger technology. Thanks, Brian. Uh, Ralph, I don't know if you want to give your two cents on this. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was looking forward to, to Juan's uh, response on this as well, because I found this an awful hard question. And I've changed my mind once or twice actually trying to answer this. By, but even though I thought for a moment it's a chicken and egg question, it's not. So, so here's my take, right? So in, in the deep, and it's quite DLT specific, of course, politics, media, sport, social and transport, right? We all know dozens of great examples where change was defined by technology. So for me, technology absolutely changes the direction to answer your question. But, and, and I think there's about, the fundamentals remain untouched. So why should it be different in business or capital markets? Our system is now a couple of hundred years old, and I know it feels like there is a shift on the horizon, but decentralization, synchronized databases or nodes are not new, or, or I don't think they will change the desire to invest, fund, or, or borrow. So just like maybe VAR or the socials uh, impacted football and politics, so did high-frequency trading, PCs, and perhaps crypto shaped the capital markets. But the business case and the requirements for me do not change. Let, let's for argument's sake say that cypherpunks and all Satoshi had zero business in mind, right? And just stumbled upon the proof of work, just like a chemist or biologist discovers a new material. What does he or she do? They find a commercial application. So hammer looking for nails, right? No difference. I, I think there's hundreds of red nails for DLT. Uh, and uh, we want to make money, we want to invest, we want to fund, we want to tax people, we want to employ. So a shout out to all the other communities, you know, change that. And I will sign that technology as a business driver statement. I will sign that unconditionally. Yeah, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, my personal opinion on this is that the technology tends to drive the business. Um, so you have um, certain technologies um, that, that are more applied, but you also have other technologies that that have been created because of experimental, for, for basically for non-applied reasons, just for investigation's sake. Um, these technologies are, are often very groundbreaking and very um, and make big changes into the uh, in, into business. And this is the case in capital markets, as is the case in in every other financial services, every other sector of financial services. I think that in specifically to DLT, what we're finding is that the um, uptake of of DLT. In, in the financial services space in capital markets is is quite significant. And that's because it's it's actually a good fit to the business problems that we have there. So the business problems that we have in capital markets, many of them can actually be solved by by DLT uh, for the many of the reasons that we've already discussed on this on, on this podcast. So I think that it's actually driven out of the business side. Yet I'm not sure if the people who originally came up with the protocols that, that, we're, that we're using actually had that in mind. I think they're more thinking about decentralized economy rather than um, how we're going to apply this to capital markets. So that's kind of my take on that. And then on the other side, you have new things like, for example, I don't know, zero knowledge proofs or something. And this is me speaking a bit more like as, as kind of more of a technologist rather than a capital markets expert like, like yourselves, where you have areas of technology that, that are really redefining what you can do in the business side of things as well. So you can create, for example, uh, trust proof uh, and private exchanges, for example, using uh, using these kind of using these kind of technologies in ways that people wouldn't have thought of um, in the future. And and it's that kind of 
technology driving the business and driving new ways of thinking about things that I think is actually really powerful. Um, so it's people from from the business understanding the technology and thinking about new ways of doing uh, doing things and improving stuff. Uh, so that's that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, so um, I think that's 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 it uh, for today. So I'd just like to say thank you very much to uh, to Ralph and to Juan, and thank you to everybody listening in. And um, hopefully we'll see you on the next um, on the next podcast in this series. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.